You have stumbled upon Stars of Tomorrow, where every Friday I, Mr. Thrive, interview singer and songwriter Kendra Mickey from Kendra and the Bunnies, who has not yet been discovered. This up-and-coming podcast interviews the up-and-coming. Kendra, I'm so stoked to have you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the biggest reasons that you're one of the top five names that I actually like wrote down in my notebook, and I really do mean that, I, I've shown it to you, is that you are someone who has experienced an eclectic timeline in your life. Would you agree, or, or am, I, am I a little bit off when I say that? Well, first of all, time is lo- not linear. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I've always had this one question, and I don't know if it has to do with, you know, uh, the eclectic timeline that I just described or whatnot, but who are the bunnies? The bunnies. So it was funny. You asked me today, you said, Kendra, I'd like to have uh, your group Kendra and the bunnies on and I said all right great so I let all the bunnies know but here's the thing the white rabbit he's always late Peter rabbit is back in rehab Roger rabbit was just framed for murder and Bugs Bunny took another left at Albuquerque so they just told me to go on anyway wow that's a shame right I I, I would have liked to have met all of them I've I've heard a lot of really great things about Roger rabbit yeah (laughs) But but where where do, where do these bunnies come from exactly? How did how did you start? When did you start to incorporate them in your name? So there's a lot of folklore here. Okay. Um, for years I've been going as Kendra and Ke- Kendra Bunny, Ken Bunny. Okay. Um, so when I first started singing rock and roll music in my teenage years, uh, one of the driving forces be- behind my creativity and my sound. Uh, originated in the 1960s. So one of my favorite bands is Jefferson Airplane, fronted by Grace Slick. She has this very, like, hypnotic way of singing. Hmm. And she has a song written, White Rabbit. About, yes, I've heard it. About Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. So that plays into, you know, that, that was the first thing that caught my interest. Obviously, I already knew the story of Alice in Wonderland. But, I, I, I mean... It just is like something that gravitated towards me. So I started listening to this style music um, and was myself entranced in Alice in Wonderland, the story. So playing into that, you know, the white rabbit. Oh, my gosh. Everyone's so worried. Where's the white rabbit? He's like, I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. But the whole thing about the story is, is that the story doesn't even start until the white rabbit arrives. So he's never really late. So it just like adds in this animosity from someone who can feel the pressure of life uh, rushing from one thing to the next. You know, we're always on time for what we're supposed to be on time for. And we're always in the right place at the right time. Um, On top of that, there's also... So there's like this juxtaposition of character that, that I like. So, you know, of course, we've got like this, you know, psychedelic feel coming in with the white rabbit. On the other hand... I don't know if you remember when that reality sh- show came out with the Playboy bunnies. And there was this girl named Kendra on the show. Okay. So as those two themes linked up, I was like, okay, I could be like this girl with all these these amazing ideas that make people think like real intensely. And I take you on this journey and sound and poetry. Or I could just be a blonde with a lot of like far out dreams, you know? Hmm. So I juxtapose the psychedelic character next to the dumb blonde. 
And uh, I find that that adds like this sort of like tongue in cheek feel to my music. And I like that because, you know, life is a blessing, but it's also like a little bit of a joke sometimes. Sure. And I, I'm, kind of, I'm a little bit worried to ask this question. <laughs> But I, I feel like I have to, and I, I, it, I'll, only reason why I'm worried is because I don't want to take away anyone's chance of interpretation away. I don't want to, you know, clearly say for black and white what you and the bunnies mean. Yeah. But I have to ask: Are these like the different layers of your personality, or are they more so a per a persona that you uh, that you put on to uh, create a show? Well, I don't necessarily put on a persona at all. I um, grew up as an actress and there's just, there's so many different layers to my personality that are just inherently there. So I like to play into all of those different characters. It's not that I put on a persona, it's just that I am a little strange myself. You know, I've noticed that you're not the typical person. And that's what that's what automatically drew me to you right away. And, and I mean that in the most positive way possible. I do not like normal people at all. Oh. They're boring. You're not normal. Oh. And I mean that in the best way possible. Okay. The first time I met you, we actually met. Do you remember where we met? Yeah. <laughs> we were catering. We were oh catering together. Oh, my gosh. I love catering. <laughs> it was at our wild wedding, actually. Yeah. That was the oh weirdest gosh. wedding I've ever been to. Strange tattoos. Lots of, like strange colored hair yeah the um, the bride yeah. wasn't the only person wearing white and some people didn't even come in suits it was for like a musician i think it was for uh one of the people who made the theme song for stranger things oh really yeah that's what Groovy. i heard rumor that i heard that it was like one of their weddings and i was like oh I ca I'm, I'm catering the uh composer to stranger things theme song um i'm tempted to go off on a tangent and so I'm going to do it anyway. Please do it. <laughs> um, you know, both of us have, got, uh, you know, we met on that like odd job thing. Since then, I fully, I have fully dedicated all of my time and energy to being a singer songwriter artist. I felt a lot of animosity towards myself when I was putting my time into things that ultimately didn't serve me. If you want to say cater to who I am in the grander scheme of things. So I always like to mention you know just like the truth of a situation because it may be it may help someone out there I, I went in between like should I just can I cuss on this show I'm oh please I'm please cuss. fucking cuss on the show okay I was gonna say <laughs> can I just like should I just like fucking quit and like follow my dreams or should I like just over and over in my head so right. if there's anyone out there thinking should I follow my dreams or um not you should do the former i mean i think that's the la story really uh people people have come to la with little to nothing uh over you know in their in their, except for a car and they've lived out of their car sacrificing everything to chase their passion in this entertainment industry uh you've made some sacrifices none of the bunnies had to be sacrificed in the making of <laughs> this <God>. band. <laughs> but, you know, like, there's there's certain things along the way of my dream that I did have to say, thank you very much, no thank you anymore. One of them would be, um, you know, the experience of, of party, partying, you yeah. know? Um, it was all good and fun until it wasn't fun anymore. Okay. Um, another sacrifice I've had to make is, um, 
I think, I mean, I mean, I don't like, I don't know if I want to look at it as a sacrifice thing. It's rather the just like uh, focusing my energy on, on what's important. Okay. Yeah. When is enough enough for you? Um, whenever the director yells cut. <laughs> Who's the director? <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. I've been trying to figure that out too. Um, I think it's me right now because I go on so many tangents. I, I mean, <laughs> on this show, let me tell you, I mean, I've, yeah, I've created the script where you and I are talking and whatnot, but I always want the person that I'm interviewing to be the director because, A, it's more interesting that way. Let me tell you guys, I'm an incredibly boring person. Um, but the other thing as well, the other reason why I want the person being interviewed to be the director is because this is about them and I will know that I've made it in my life when someone interviews on this show who hasn't been discovered and someone on the other end is listening and they go, wow, how can I contact this person? Goes into the description of this episode, sees exactly how to contact this very person that I'm speaking to right now mm -hmm. and says, hey, I just listened to your podcast and Mr. Thrive's Stars of Tomorrow and I loved it. When can I meet you? When can we record? Uh, when can we, when can we uh, audition you on our show? Whatever it is, that's how I'll know I've made it. And that's my, that's my biggest hope. Uh, and that's why you, the interviewee, needs to be the director. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, this show is, it's, it's been a personal whirlwind for me. Uh, it's been my rock for the past month. This is actually, if you're listening to this, uh, you'll notice that uh, the numbers are still, the episode numbers are still in the single digits because this is a very new show for me. Within the past month, uh, this podcast has done a lot more for me than I could possibly explain in words. And perhaps when I get around to creating the Patreon, uh, did I say Patreon? Ooh, wait, whoa, around the corner. Whoa. Wait for that Patreon. Uh, I, no announcement just yet, but when it does happen, you'll be the first to know, and I'll be able on that Patreon to explain just how much this podcast means to me and how it truly is a rock in my life. That's really cool to hear. You know, like doing, my art is completely what keeps me keeps me going and it's cool to hear the similar experience with you in doing in, in you thriving <laughs> in your realm of life yeah thank i mean it's funny i today i was i was hanging out with a friend and someone i was sitting down with them and we somehow ended up talking about uh my depression in 2017 and 2018 uh when I came back from college and I came back from my great Europe trip, the best two months of my life, by the way. And then I came back and reality hit and I slowly, mm -hmm. slowly fell into the rabbit hole mm -hmm. of depression. Yeah. And I couldn't get out for a very long time and I was angry and I wanted to hurt and I was confused and I was in a very dark place. And I even, I mean, some, pa it was a, the biggest games of shoots and ladders where most of the time I was going through a shoot. Mm. And it, every time I took one step forward, I took three steps back. That's what it felt like. And I think we've all been there in our lives. Yeah. You know, so much of success is revealed to me in just walking through the journey of life. I realize every single day that life is for the living and it's totally about the experience 
you know, because I get so centered on product and destination and things like that, and I think that played into my depression a little bit because I'd see this light at the end of the tunnel and then I'd be like, all right, cool, I want to be there now. Instead of just being happy with, with where I was in life at the moment. And the funny thing about that, I actually just wrote a song about this, is once you get to the end of, end of the tunnel, you're like, oh shoot, there's more. And when, yeah. I, when I reframed yeah. my perspective, it became, oh, awesome, there's more. Yeah. You know, that moment of realization when you do realize there's more is something that everyone who is struggling right now needs to know about. Um, you know, I've had friends who have contemplated uh, suicide before and, they, and, and they've, you know, I actually, I did have a friend who committed suicide. He did not get to that point. His name was Chris Myers and he was uh, a really amazing guy who, you know, he, he was able to, to bright up a room the moment he walked into it by just being him. He didn't have to crack a joke. He was just him. And he had a very interesting, quirky way about him. And I remember, uh, I, I feel like today I could have done more. And I, I, can't, I can't afford to think that way when I, when I think about that, when I think about Chris Myers. But I remember him talking to me and me not being mature enough to understand what he was saying to me. I, I understood what suicide was, but I didn't yeah. understand uh, the mental aspect of it. I didn't understand the, you know, the companion side that, that comes with it, if it even is companionship, or the different levels of depression. And Yeah, you know, I um, just found out a good friend of mine from Houston took their own life, like, oh, earlier this week. I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm com thank you, thank you. I'm completely at a loss of words because of how great of a guy he is. Um, you know, it's a it's a subject we all like to avoid because it's awkward and it's dark. Yeah. Um, but you know, There's so much strength in, in vulnerability and coming together and saying like, this is, I've got this problem and I don't know how to solve it. And that allows people to come together and say, hey, I, I've been thinking about the same thing. Uh, let's try this solution. So, uh, you know, talking about things certainly is a great start. Uh, talking, talking to people bouncing off meeting people that you can relate to um finding out new things that you could possibly be interested in and also in a very strange twisted way helping others that may not be as in much pain as you but could always just use a simple task to help them is always something that makes you realize at the end, at the end of the day that there are options mm -hmm. and that there is more than just what's going on in your head Mm -hmm. and that there's a really big, beautiful world out there that you haven't been exposed to. That's truly what it comes down to. And, you know, I've actually never gotten to the point, personally, of 
wanting to commit suicide. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I think that makes me a very rare person. I did, however, when I was depressed in my time, and I've been depressed in a few phases of my life, uh, I never wanted to hurt myself, but I always wanted to hurt other people. And I, that never happened. It never happened, by the way. Well, yeah. But, I mean, I... It's like rage that doesn't know where to go. Yeah. Anywhere. Um, when I start feeling like that, <clears throat> I'll, like, shuffle through things I can do. I'm like, okay, I guess I could, like, break some plates. And then I'm like, okay, well then, like, if I play that tape out, I'm like, okay, well then, there goes a few of my plates. You know, as I'm trying to make a sandwich tomorrow, I'm like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have shattered those plates when I was upset. So I go hit balls at the local batting cages in Burbank. <laughs> and it is so great. I grew up playing softball, so just like, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure there's even, you know, with, with you growing up, uh, playing softball, there's even a little bit of a nostalgic aspect, too. To I love that. nostalgia. Yeah? Yeah. Well, how are some of the other ways that you delve into that? I write poetry. Yeah. Insane amounts of poetry. Um, you know, I like the way that words house next to each other. Like, you put two words next to each other, and it's like they're just so excited to meet. <laughs> the way, way that they sound... Um, or the alliteration between words. Yeah. The repetition of syllables. Um, yeah, so poetry is my main go-to whenever things get like... Yeah, whenever things get like right outside of my reach of control. You know, when it's like, okay... There's a situation that's just like right past my fingertips. I'm going to write about it. And uh, it, it, ha it happens at, at, the, at the turn of a whistle. I mean, I was in the Austin airport headed back to Los Angeles waiting to check my baggage at the door. Actual baggage, not to my personal baggage. <laughs> And uh, I decided amidst all of that to write this like really intense poem about the changing residual face of fear um, that probably centered around my fear of flying, like for sure. Yeah. But it, it was like in one of those moments where I was like, okay, this is what the situation has presented to me. Um, my mind wants to write about this. I don't particularly feel like writing about fear, but here I go. I'm, I'm going to do it. And uh, it, it allowed me to create a tangible field of what was going on with me, whether I even realized it or not. You know, someone walked by and mentioned, you know, he just always does this and it makes me feel this way. And it came off in a timid grasping at the air and not being able to hold on to anything kind of notion and so I was like okay that's fear walking around I'm gonna write about that yeah 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 <laughs> I just had a writing tangent myself recently I don't write as often as you uh, not by any means but I certainly do feel as much as you, right? <laughs> and I was really feeling yesterday. Um, I can't believe I'm talking about this. Yes. Let's let's get vulnerable <laughs> here. 
I broke up with my girlfriend yesterday. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And without getting into why we had broken up, what happened was that my happiness in life, my morale, my mental health was compromised. And what I ended up having to do was make the sacrifice. So leading up to that, I knew that that day it was going to be time to end it. I knew that the expiration date had arrived and there was only one way to go about it. And at first, you know, I have like this only child moment where I think to myself, let's sit in a very dark corner, literally. In the place that I work at, it's filled with sound stages that if you turn off all the lights, you are in the black abyss that you will never be found and you'll be sitting next to ghosts. And I, and, and the, the, the company I work for has rumors of ghosts wandering around the soundstage. Uh, I've heard ghost stories. And I remember I sat in there in the dark for a couple of seconds. And as soon as I sat there and embraced the solace of black abyss, sensory desensitizing, or sen- sensory detachment, I suddenly got these chills. And I, I didn't feel safe anymore. <laughs> I, I realized how in the dark I am and how uh, incognito I was to the whole world that I had like this inkling fear that Freddy Krueger could be right behind me. Uh-huh. And suddenly I turned on the phone of my light and I walked out. I was like, nope, nope, this is stupid. That's a dumb only child thing. I don't know why I did that. So instead what I did was I took out the very notebook that is sitting between <laughs> us right now. Uh, uh-huh. The very notebook with all the, the names in it. And like a crazy person, I started writing. Uh-huh. And what I specifically wrote was... um. I wrote about, I've, had a, I've always had a fascination with uh, Catholicism's seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down how my feelings relate to those seven deadly sins in this particular context. Uh, writing, going from pride, lust, greed, envy, gluttony. Uh, uh, what else is there? Oh my God. I, I always have like a child. Oh, wrath. And, wrath. And, uh. Oh God! Every Catholic who's listening to this right now is going, "Come on, just say you it. forgot number seven. Did I did I say lust? Heck, I don't know them. I'm uh, okay. I think it's lust, but I, th- I think that's all of them. I think I've said oh, all of them. But anyway, I no, don't know I, that one. I, I wrote about <laughs> I wrote about all my my seven deadly sins in this case, and that was really helpful. Yeah. And you know, my my mind kind of just opened up, and I could I found myself breathing a little bit better. Yeah. You know, isn't that wild? I mean, the interesting things, the the interesting thing about these really tumultuous subjects is that once they're opened up, I mean, it's just like, shucks, why was it so difficult to get to that place? Why does it have so much difficulty surrounding it? Um, I do healing work as well, and I think that this is this is a huge. Uh, motion to that ocean of of <laughs> of how things go I mean there's some things in my life that I didn't want to deal with for a while because it felt so tangled up and then once I started to unravel that that feeling of blue I, I realized it was really a gift reallocated in a different way you know all of those feelings that had me running fast and far from my problems are what I find the most joy doing. Like writing a poem about somebody walking by at the airport, you know, or playing blues guitar. 
Like those things that make me feel like, oh man, are the things that I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, <laughs> listen to this. Dun, 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 dun. It, so is that healing work? Because we, we've, before every interview, uh, I always do a pre-interview session just to kind of write down. And I remember you mentioning healing work. You've now yeah. mentioned it. And you know, I've purposely not looked it up. I've uh -huh. not looked up and not asked any questions about it. What is healing work for those of us like me who don't know what it is? You were wise not to ask any questions, Grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I'm learning more and more about every day. I've ta I've gone into certain books to study these different paths of healing, whether it's one of the initiated ways that, that I walk this path is through Native American shamanism. I've recently started studying um, plant healing through like the Celtic methods. And then there's a, a little bit of um, something I've del uh, dubbed rainbow healing, but I think that's also a term in the community as well, which has to do with aligning colors. Wow. Okay. Um, so I've, I've taken my hand in, in reading about these and going to certain ceremonies. However, the path did present itself to me. And I think that plays into what I was just saying about those things that make me go, oh man, are also the things that bring me to who I am. Cause I, I was going through all this um, emotional stuff and I was just like, wow, uh, the way that the light catches that uh, leaf that was blowing in the wind really makes me think about this. And then next thing you know, I'm picking up a book on plant healing. I mean, there was a few steps in between those Yeah, those things. cathartic <laughs> moments, those cathartic moments have always been uh, very special to me. I don't think I, I don't think I've ever really been able to uh, articulate them as well as you have. My question to you, though, is you just said that this path has presented itself to you. How did it do that exactly? Oh, my gosh. Good question. Um, I'm actually working on my... Okay, so I've published two books so far. The first one's titled The Politics Of. It's a 338-page book of poetry, one-act plays, philosophical essays, and original photography. Um, that was published in 2017. My second book is titled Project Non-Arc, Operation Clown School. That is set to be published this September, so next month, on September 13th of 2019. That's a long-form prose poem in the same air as Walt Whitman and Allen Ginsberg, um, like a long-form American poem about my perspective on, right now, cultural conditioning through media. Like, when we strip away media, who are we? Do we even know who we are? And so, uh, yeah, so then right now I'm working on my first novel, which is going to be a memoir, more or less. And it's definitely got a fantastical edge because that's the way I look at things. And that thread of how the path of healing and metaphysical delving deep within myself is going to be revealed in that book. It's a really, really non-linear, interesting process. I bet. Yeah, it's it's been really interesting. Yeah. When you say nonlinear, do you mean that there are certain events in your life that just haven't aligned to that point yet? Like you have a plan, 
but you haven't been given that motivation yet in your current life to tackle actually literature or what do you mean by non-linear actually that's a cool question that you have in the in the past like if we go back to that freaking job that we met at that i was yeah feeling very much animositous sure towards uh then i could probably say it was on the it was on the brink of aligning now i have completely aligned with my higher self and so i mentioned the book one as a marketing ploy (laughs) two as as a way of me saying like that question has a really lengthy answer i'm thinking it'll probably be under under a thousand pages (laughs) (laughs) wow um that's amazing (laughs) um but then uh what i mean by non-linear is like you know, I mentioned earlier that time isn't necessarily linear, at least in the way I live my life. Like, things that I've been thinking about, like, you know, everything has a cycle to it. So things, you know, begin at one point and end at another point. But then in between all of... In between... Okay, so let's say cycle one has point A1 and then point Z1. Okay. In between A1 and Z1, cycle two begins. Then cycle three, cycle four, cycle five, six, seven, all the way. I, I mean, I lost count. <laughs> uh, but but what I'm saying is, in between A1 and Z1, two A is l- lining up with Z2. Okay. Three A is lining up with maybe like D3 at that time. Okay. So things seem non-linear because a lot of things are overlapping. These variables, are they indicative of emotions? Or are they indicative of events? Man, indicative of a lot of things. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a wild concept. I've never uh, spread out in a grid that... Ki- I mean, I've, I've just, I guess... My simple practical look at like outlook on 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 time is very linear, and it's it's like introducing a two dimensional object to a three dimensional object. And it's funny that we're having this conversation because the very last episode with Max Richter uh, talks about uh, introducing these different layers of dimensions mm-hmm. uh, and how that relates to cosmic horror, which is something that he oh. talks about. He's uh, a cosmic horror writer, and if you haven't listened to that episode yet. You absolutely should. But while you're here, stay tuned because Kendra just has thousands and thousands of more layers. She is the most interesting onion you haven't peeled yet. (laughs) And she does not stink either. (laughs) I will make you cry, though. Yeah, she will make you cry. Um, I was actually wondering, though, you know, speaking of the project that you wrote, Project Non-Arc, Operation Clown School, Mm -hmm. we have a copy right here. I was wondering if you'd be willing to uh, read an excerpt. Yeah. This is part six. It was a normal Wednesday night, wacky in its own way. I woke around noon plus a thirty and wiped the hopeful starts out my eyelashes' brim. In retro of my perspective, as I look back now, on my rage-filled moments, the ones where I acted as a clown, I'm not ashamed nor embarrassed of all energy that flows through me. Instead, I am proud of my individuality. 
However, I get stuck on the idea of a system acting as a commune. For if I seek a place of unconditional love, only myself my rage would consume. If I want to stand with my face towards the fun, I must recognize my own right to the sun. In allowance I can be seen, and by attracting empowering situations I can be heard. I can learn to float with the flock without needing to tell all my peers, look at me, I'm a fucking bird. Redundant or existential, to act like a fox, who comes out for supper only to retreat with leftovers to my box. My living room has four corners that outline my living space. I remark an intuition that these corners do not define my mental place. Spiritual and physical, separate is none, for the lines that form us do not divide us from the originality of a singular one. And reality is such, original in its actual state, the understanding that destiny is forever in creation along with fate. You know, I what I what I love about what you write, and this isn't the first time I've ever heard your writing. I've read some of your poetry before. I remember you actually sent me a link to the politics of Kendrick McKee. What I love about your work is that you can't just read it once because, like you said before, it's a very fantastical approach to, to writing. It's very poetic. It's very out there. It's looking outside the box. Uh, it's going from two-dimensional to three-dimensional. Uh, you can't read it once because it has so many meanings, and I want to ask questions about it, but I'm not going to. And the uh, reason why I'm not going to is because I want everyone out there to go and look for this book when it is published. It has not been published, right? This one hasn't been published. This one comes out September 13th. My first book, The Politics of, has been published. It's available on Amazon Books. All right, guys, you heard it. Go to Amazon right now. Check out The Politics of Kendra McKee the, on Amazon. The thing is, is that there's so many textbooks that have the word politics in it. So you look up The Politics of, and it's like, The Politics of Europe in 1909 <laughs> or something. Right. That being said... Um, look it up by my full name yes i will put all that information in the description of this episode if you go look right now you will see it is right there as we speak on top of that <laughs> stay tuned for you said september 13th september 13th september 13th for the project non-arc operation clown school by and kendra mckee uh mickey like mickey mouse kendra mickey yeah i like the way you were saying it though mckee mckee yeah i guess where my keys go <laughs> Good one, Dad. <laughs> Kendra Mickey. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to start going by Kendra McKee. <laughs> Look what I started. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, the, yeah. best, the best discoveries are made by mistake. I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm a little bit, am- I'm amused and I'm disappointed by this little tidbit but you know i went to school at san francisco state and our our uh what's it called mascot our mascot thank you wow i'm really glad you knew how to say that (laughs) our mascot was the gators however there are no alligators in the bay area so where does gators come from well you see when the school was first being founded and they told the artist who was making the logo for the mascot as to what the gators were he took it as the alligator however the school whoever founded the school who was making the mascot was actually asking for a gate as in the golden gate bridge golden gators so we were going to literally be our mascot was going to be a bridge (laughs) (laughs) and now it's an alligator and our 
astounding, <laughs> studious center of education was founded off of a typo. <laughs> I, I don't know. Make it a gator. <laughs> make it a gator. Why not? There's no alligators here, but no one will question that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so. nice. I like that mascot, the golden gators. Right. It would have been cool. I remember me and my friends when we were in school, we, we contemplated like what would be an even cooler name. And so fun fact, for those who have never been to San Francisco, uh, there's actually, an, everyone has named, has agreed on a name for the fog that is often seen looming over into San Francisco. That, uh, that marine layer that comes in every other mm-hmm. day is known as Carl the Fog with a K. Carl the Fog. And if you go on <laughs> if you go on Instagram and type in hashtag Carl the Fog, you will just see photos of fog in San Francisco in the Bay Area all the time. And it's kind of hilarious that this it's created such a movement, Carl the Fog. <laughs> Carl the Fog. Carl the Fog. Look it up. It's it's quite it's it's not boring at all. <laughs> it's not boring at all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there are some, for the record, there are some very beautiful photos of fog. I've never seen a more beautiful photo of fog. Carl has a great smile. He does have a great smile. Yeah. Yeah. Not to make an unnatural segue, but I have to ask you, because I remember uh, we sat down for our pre-interview session, uh, taking down notes. You mentioned you have a mission statement. Ja, man. Tell me about your mission statement, man. <laughs> Okie doke. So my mission statement is for the peaceful gathering of community through means of song, voice, and action. When we come together as a community, it sparks ideas within one another that allows for a greater movement. Um, I mentioned earlier that I'm heavily influenced by the 1960s and I feel like there's a lot that we left off on um probably my one of my favorite writers Hunter S. Thompson mentions he's like there was a point in the 1960s where the water hit a a high mark and we we were like banking on this dream that there was going to be something better and there was going to be something more you know um and then once that water hit the high water, once that water hit the high mark, it started to roll back. And, you know, I just, I look around today and I feel like there's more that I can do to create peace within my environment. And so that's something I strive to do in every single way that I represent myself. How can I bring peace to the place that I just walked into? Whether I'm about to go perform on stage, how can I bring a peaceful essence to all the listeners in the audience? Or if I'm going to get if if I'm going to get like the headlight on my car fixed, like how can I be a good person to this person who's about to help me get get something done that I I, I don't know how to fix the headlight on my car. Yeah. Um, and so when we come together in community, we realize that there's there's multiple facets to all of us that one person knows how to do something that I don't know how to do and vice versa. Um, and so being authentic, gathering together in peaceful community and um, being accepting of each other. 
is that with intention to counter a lot of the culture in some other genres of music these days? Or is it actually to counter some of the tragic events that have been happening in the world lately? I live a little bit in in this daydream kind of reality, like meaning I I have a TV, but it's unplugged and it's sitting behind my piano. You know, and when I go on the internet, like I am looking for specific things. So I don't get personally fogged by a lot of the tragic events that are happening. Of course, I hear about them when I go into my community and it's really bleak to hear about these things. Mm -hmm. um, but I, tr I, I groom my environment and my thoughts so much because um, my emotions get really heavy. I can't. I can't handle watching the news, you know, and the, I mean, some people can't handle the news. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to watch it. You know, there's a lot of unnecessary information on there as well. And so a if we come together, yeah. yeah, well, it, you know, so if we come together, I mean, we, we all live in a neighborhood and stuff. Like if you talk to your neighbor across the street, they're going to fill you in on stuff that you need to know within your block radius. Then when you go to the coffee shop five blocks down, they're going to fill you in on what you need to know within that radius, you know? So it really depends on, like, where do we want to get our information from? Um, who are we getting our information from? How are we letting it affect us? And then when we do get that information, which, unfortunately, a lot of it is difficult to hear, what can we do to make that information better next time? I mean, like, honestly, if someone sat me down and they were like, look, here is a canvas and I want you to paint a picture, a masterpiece, if you will, of what you think reality should be like, I would be like, okay, there's going to be lots of pretty colors. There's going to be lots of smiles and dandelions and sunflowers. And, you know, there'll be tears and stuff, but most of them are going to end up being tears of joy because... Like we mentioned earlier, when you go to those dark places and kind of solve what's going on there, then it becomes a, mo a moment of uh, shedding tears for joy. And so it's like, well, what? You know, if, if we're all in this together creating our day-to-day -day living, we don't necessarily have to pick up the paintbrush that's like tragedy, fear, blah, 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 blah. We don't have to buy into the system is what you're saying. Uh, well, we don't even know what they're selling half the time. That's true. Or at least we're not able to accurately pinpoint what they're selling. Like, we'll, we'll say it's one thing, but really, right. when you look deep down at it, if, coming from an educated standpoint, it comes from something much deeper. And furthermore, a lot of that is just misunderstanding in the first place. I mean, I'm sure that a, a lot of the things that are being presented to us come from someone being misunderstood and not feeling heard by another individual, and so they act out in a certain way. Yeah, I mean, there's always been that debate. Uh, the name of the philosophers are blanking on me. I know that they had to do with some of the uh, early foundations that our constitution was built off of, but mm -hmm. the question is, uh, are we, as human beings, inherently good or inherently bad? And, you know, even though <laughs> there's a part of me that's, that's cynical, if not skeptical, uh, I can't help but feel like we're good for that very reason because I, I strongly do believe in communication. I think that if you fail to 
be heard, then you can go insane. We're, we're social human, we're, human beings are social creatures. Yeah. And the moment that you stop feeling heard and the moment that you stop listening, then you have created a lot more pain than you realize. I mean, there's a balance of everything, light and dark, yin and yang, um, chocolate and vanilla, <laughs> uh, um, sprinkles to ice cream ratio. Um, but then also, you made me think of this quote from the movie Waking Life by Richard Linkletter, uh-huh. where it's like this movie about lucid dreaming and the nature of reality. It's a very good film, P.S. And it basically goes between all these philosophical moments. And there's this one moment where he's walking along in like this dream state with this guy who's holding a um, carton of gasoline, a jug of gasoline, and they walk up in front of like a government building. <clears throat> and he starts pouring the gasoline all over himself. And he's like, hey, man, do you have a match? And he's like, yeah. So he's giving him this philosophical rambling or philosophical yeah i said that twice etc um hey man do you have a match and then the last thing he says is let my own lack of a voice be heard Hmm. turning our weaknesses into strengths but potentially not going to such extremes i wish that our world warranted us for not to go to such extremes but it seems like that's the path we go down and that's why your music is so important in today's day and age, I feel like. If you go on Spotify right now, you'll see that her music is just on the rise. I think your top song right now has 6,000 listens, right? Yeah, just over 6,000 listens. Isn't that trippy? Yeah, man. And that that song, by the way, that was that was interesting. I, I had heard your other music before. The song, your top song with 6,000 listens. Uh, let me just double check, make sure I get it right. It's world piece of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's it. And it's um, it's it's a crazy song. It's very relevant to everything that's happening. Uh, Thank you so much. Honestly, this is like everything that I've, that I care about, you know? Yeah. And I get to sing and, and have you listen to it and, and spark ideas in you. What do you attribute to some of the luck that goes behind? You know, like there are so many different factors that you can control. You, you know, you can throw, you can shoot shots in the dark, hoping that something sticks. Uh, how do you, how, what do you attribute to your luck? Hard work. A lot of hard work. To someone who is starting in music, what is some of the, what is, what is something that, that you could, suggest they start at so i have a very very strict regimen for myself i wake up make some coffee and uh i'm straight on to answering emails marketing submitting my songs to blogs submitting my songs to spotify playlists and then when i am like i can't look at the computer for five more seconds i make another cup of coffee and then i play the guitar and for 30 minutes and then go back to answering emails and then I'm on to writing and then I'm like, I got to go for a walk. You know, it's, I potentially work too hard, but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe 
I don't think so. Okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, with with this podcast and, and also the projects I do on the side, I'm not just a guy who speaks into a microphone. I, <laughs> I write my own scripts. And and I, I currently have that film of mine, Box of Heroes, in post-production right now. Uh, as soon as I as soon as soon I get done working at my full-time job, as soon as I hit some downtime during my full-time job, I pop open that laptop. I fight the urge to just sit and shoot the shit about nothing. Uh-huh. And I get to writing. And does that mean I'm working too hard? No. 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 Because I, I, I think you always, in this situation, always have to act like you're behind until you know that you've you've earned the luxury to relax a little bit. Well, that's kind of cool that you said that because normally my mind would go to, I'm not doing enough. And it looks like I've made the transition to, am I doing too much? <laughs> I, it's funny. Yeah. You can't be satisfied, right? Oh, With, I can't get no. Yeah. But... <laughs> But I, I think that you should embrace it. I remember I took a I took a life skills class once. And, you know, to be honest, those life skills classes, they don't always have a lot of merit to what they're saying. I think that uh, a lot of it's written uh, from a place of ego. No offense to anyone who has ever instructed a life skills class. But the two most important things I ever heard from a life skills class is, one, hang out with the masters. Yeah be around them all the time because as soon as you start hanging out with them you will increase in whatever you're trying to do right for me it's just general intelligence i i don't think highly of my intelligence however i do think i'm smart and the only reason why i'm able to say today with confidence that i'm a smart person is because i've sat around those who i admire right and i hold myself to a strict standard as to who i associate myself with right right, right. um the other thing that i had heard from this life skills class that I, that has always stuck with me is embrace the plateau. And it sounds like even though you have reached the 6,000 listeners on your song, you're in this plateau and you need to embrace that happy medium that you're at right now. Because yeah. if you keep this going right now, if you keep this current pace that you're at right now uh, at, at bay, at where it is now, eventually your shots in the dark will hit something. Yeah, I mean, the the Zen of archery says that eventually you'll be able to close your eyes and pull the bow on your arrow and get a bullseye. Wow. You know? Yeah, yeah. With the right frame of mind. I like what you said about uh, putting yourself into a certain realm. I listen to a lot of, like, self-help books because my TV is behind the piano. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great way to put it. <laughs> And one of them was saying it was about like manifesting abundance. And he's like, yeah, so go ahead and go to that swanky hotel and just like hang out in the lobby. Like you might not be able to, or go to that. I went to the Louis Vuitton store on Rodeo (laughs) a little bit ago. And I was like, you know, can I see that bag? And they're like, oh my gosh, yes. And he's like, here's my card. And he's like, that looks amazing on you. Let's go to the clothing and shoe section and try on some matching shoes and scarves and stuff for you. And I'm like, let's do, let's do that. You know, like I'm getting myself in that frame of mind. And then I was like, okay, thank you. Look at this card, Albert. Um, I'll be back, you know, setting myself up for that success being, being in the, now that's not what's really important to me, but you know, material things are not important to me. Sure. But 
know, treat yourself sometimes. You do have to treat yourself. Even though you're in a plateau where you're constantly working and you feel more like a mule than a human at points, you do deserve that 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 human element of just taking a break, eating a cake, uh, kicking your feet up, maybe plugging that TV that's behind the piano oh my gosh, no. and watching. Okay, no, <laughs> never mind. Ignore that. Do not watch TV. TV bad. Okay, sometimes I watch like Hulu on my laptop. You oh, got me. Whoa. I'm backed into that dark corner whoa. with a ghost. Shucks. Oh man, but I, you know, I'm 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 actually currently embracing a plateau as we speak. Uh, something really big happened today. On the contrary to what happened yesterday, I went in to get my hair cut uh-huh. today, and my hair salonist, who I hadn't seen in maybe like two or three weeks, she said, "Chaz, uh, have you lost weight?" I was like, you noticed, you know, and that was really cool. Uh, I've been running. There's right behind my office. There's this mountain with uh, stairs. It's a snake path that leads up to these stairs and the stairs go all the way up. It actually isn't very tall. uh, This hill. It's a hill, not a mountain. It's a hill. But the stairs are steep and uneven. (laughs) And if you go up it, let me tell you right now, you will be schwitzing like a hug. Okay, you'll get so sweaty and gross. And it'll be so good. When you get to the top, it's this really rewarding experience because you get to the top and you get this bird's eye view of Culver City in Los Angeles. It's a really cool look. I actually have a friend whose house I can see uh, right from, uh, whose whose apartment I can see right from (laughs) the mountain. And it's right across the street from Sony Pictures. And it's really cool. It's a a really awesome outlook. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I, I love that. And lately, you know, I've been looking in the mirror since running up that hill and I feel like I'm in a little bit of a plateau. You know, but I remember, I always remembered that saying, embrace the plateau. I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's funny that some of those things that are so obvious are also like so hidden. Um, Glad you said that. Embrace (laughs) the plateau. As great as the plateau is, I want to know what does it take to leave the plateau? Well, that that's, you know, that's enjoying the journey as as you're walking it i mean today i submitted myself for south by southwest for 2020 that's huge um i booked a gig at the trip in santa monica which is a venue that i've wanted to play for a little bit hell yeah i'm always looking forward to something yeah i like to spend my time going to live music concerts and traveling oftentimes traveling for live music concerts so that gives me something to look forward to something to write about I'm always putting something ahead of myself that I'm looking forward to. And you should be proud of yourself for that. I hope you are. Thanks. I have one last question to wrap up this interview. It is the question I ask everybody as a tradition on this show. And my question is this. What will you be famous for? First of all, I want to say I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be on your podcast today. Thanks for having me. Of course. It's my honor. And it really centers around my mission statement, which is the mission statement of all of those people founded in hope that came before me. I'm looking forward to starting a conversation, just starting a conversation through authenticity about who we are, where we're going, where we'd like to go, and what we can do to get there. And through my art, my books, songs, 
novels. Getting people thinking and in influencing their lives for the better. So in answer to your question, for influencing people's lives for the better. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. One last question. If someone listening to this right now wanted to contact you, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, if you say my name three th- three times in the mirror and spin around. <laughs> um, yeah, give me a follow on Instagram. I'm at Ken Bunny, as well as if you'd like to email me. I'm, you know, I love pen pals. I'm writewithkendra at gmail.com. Write as in W-R-I-T-E. All that information will be in the description of this episode. Be sure to stay tuned. We have a lot of amazing stars of tomorrow who have not yet been discovered. Uh, Kendra, thank you so much for joining us. You were absolutely amazing. And uh, otherwise, have a great rest of the week, everybody. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.